Sunday the 11th of February 2024 is the first day of the Lunar New Year in the year of the Wood Dragon. And last night on Lunar New Year's Eve, one of Australia's most historically significant Chinese dragons, Sun Lung, was brought out to celebrate in Bendigo, Victoria. Bendigo's got a rich Chinese heritage dating all the way back to the gold rushes in the 1850s. Doug Lagoon is the chairperson at the Golden Dragon Museum in Bendigo and president of the Bendigo Chinese Association. And he joins us this morning together with Adrian Hem, who's another Bendigo local, passionate about his Chinese heritage. Welcome, Doug. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having us on, Julian. It's a pleasure and welcome, Adrian, as well. Yeah, good morning, Julian. Thank you. It's Happy great. Happy New Year. And to you too. Happy Lunar yeah. New Year. Now, Doug, uh, we had the Waking of the Dragon ceremony in Bendigo earlier this week and Sun Lung was also performing last night. Tell us about Sun Lung and why he's so significant. Well, Sun Lung uh, first appeared in Bendigo back in 1970, uh, continuing a, a long tradition of dragons, uh, which has existed since 1892, uh, it, when they've... Uh, pres- well, pres- been in the procession of the East, uh, Bendigo Easter Fair, which has actually in, existed since 1871. But the, the Chinese back in the day, in those days uh, rallied their community and I think put a levy on their community even to bring out a special collection of regalia in 1880 and then soon followed that with a dragon in 1892. Uh, we do have another famous dragon or the, probably the most famous dragon in our museum there, Lung, who was at Federation in Melbourne in 1901, and then Sun Long came along in 1970 to replace Long. So that's uh, that's how long history of dragons. That's an amazing tradition, isn't it? Yeah, Long really did have a very uh, long career. Uh, was it from 1901 all the way through to 2019? So, so well, no, we've had uh, we've had three successive. Sorry, we've had three dragons now. So we've had Lung from 1901 to 1970 and then Sun Lung replaced Lung in 1970 and then Sun Lung retired in 2019 to be replaced by Dai Gum Lung, big golden dragon. So, yeah, so we've had a continuous history of dragons, which has actually been deemed to be internationally significant. So it's a fantastic thing for, for Bendigo. That really is fantastic, although I gather that there was a little bit of jealousy in Melbourne about Sun Lung, and they tried to get a longer uh, dragon. Tell us the story of that, yes, Doug. Yes, yes. Well, there was always a little bit of a friendly competition between the, the Chinese communities, and and when Sun Lung, after Sun Lung appeared in 1970, being some um, you know 200 feet long in the old measurements, sort of a bit over 60 60 meters, the Melbourne acquired a dragon down there which was longer. So um, the association in Bendigo said that can't that can't be right. We've got to have the longest dragon here. So <laughs> Sun Long ended up being over one. I mean, we always used to say over one hundred meters long. We never used to say exactly how long, just to try and keep it a little <laughs> bit mysterious as well. So. Right. Fair enough too. Uh, otherwise, you get caught in a sort of um, yeah arms race of, of longs and dragons <laughs> yes, exactly. each year. Uh, how many people does it take to carry Sun Long? Uh, Sun Long, any, at any one time, at its full length, was uh, 56 people. So you have one on the head, three on the neck, uh, 52 bo- body positions and one on the tail. So it was quite a uh, big rally, of course, for volunteers whenever we bring any of the dragons out to make sure that we've got plenty of legs and plenty of reserves depending on how far we, we go. We didn't have quite the full length of Sun Long out last night, but uh, we had a fairly confined space to work uh, to work within, only a couple of hundred meters. So, uh, so yeah, so we had, uh, but we had a great show 
and, and lots of people came out to see Sun Long there when he came out of retirement. It sounds fantastic, but it also sounds like there's a little bit more of Sun Long that could be uh, could be on display some other time as well, Doug. <laughs> yes, well, I, I mean, yes, it, it's it's hard to tell when you're looking at it uh, because it is so long. In any case, uh, whether you're using the full length or not, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I but, bet. But the people look, people are just, I mean, because Sun Long is uh, you know quite well known to people in the current generation and even for like three generations back it's really a probably a favorite of people in bendigo and surrounds because the easter fair uh the gala parade of the easter fair is one of bendigo's you know iconic um attractions and the chinese communities community's participation in that is is obviously you know highly expected uh, yeah. every year so, so and, and yeah, i think you mentioned it goes all the way back to the 1850s is that right that's right well uh, the Chinese community in Bendigo, of course, you know, originated from the gold rush. You know, back in 1853, they started arriving, and then by the mid sort of mid to late 1850s, there was about 4,000 Chinese on the Bendigo goldfields, and about 35 to 40,000 on the Victorian goldfields. So, um, as a way of paying back what they thought as a debt to the society, was they they donated to the local hospital, and that essentially became how they became involved with the Bendigo Easter Fair in the 1870s because that was aimed at raising money for local hospitals. And so, yes, yeah, so they used to rally their their members, their community members, and formed what was called the, the Chinese Easter Committee. And, yeah, so, so they had their own display within the parade for Bendigo Easter's Fair since uh, since the late 1870s. And, and, and hence, the uh, uh, it was the... The display was improved by the dragons, of course. The Absolutely. Of dragons, mm. We're speaking there with Doug Lagoon, who's the chairperson at the Golden Dragon Museum in Bendigo, which is a fantastic collection which profiles the long association of uh, Chinese Australians with the town of Bendigo, and Doug's also the president of the Bendigo Chinese Association. We're also uh, speaking this morning with Adrian Hem, who's another Bendigo local. And Adrian, I know you're passionate about your Chinese heritage. Could you tell us about uh, the ancestor that you're aware of who first moved to Australia during the gold rush? Sure, Julian. I'm happy to do so. <clears throat> My great-grandfather, uh, Wan Poyhem, and of course um, we traditionally have got our names back the front by um, uh, by the gathering of, uh, of people, but uh, Wan Poyhem came from southern China and arrived in Australia in 1858. Uh, he first was in the area of Ballarat, um, moved on to Creswick, but whilst in Ballarat, um, he had the first of his six children. And um, in 1877, he was married in Creswick. Uh, in 1885, um, he moved on to Bendigo, uh, became a market gardener in Bendigo, uh, an interpreter to the um, Supreme Court of Victoria for. Um, one of his Chinese gardeners in Wild Duck, which is Heathcote area, mm. um, in uh, he had passed without a will, so um, that was it. He was a member also of the uh, Free Gardeners, which was quite a, a prominent group, um, and they looked after many of their Chinese countrymen, of course, uh, they'd all arrived in Australia uh, as single single men. Um, it was not 
welcome that uh, any of their family would come because if their family came to the Victorian gold fields and made their fortune, well, they probably would have stayed on in the areas that they first um, migrated to. But, of course, uh, uh, by bringing single men only, it meant that the wealth that they that they mined would be sent back to China, um, and that did happen. And much of the infrastructure of the older villages, the smaller villages, um, um, was developed because of the gold that, that came from mm. the Victorian and indeed the Australian gold fields. That's really interesting. And you mentioned that uh, Wan Toi Hem was part of the free gardeners, but I suppose living as a Chinese person in Australia at that time, you weren't as free as others and you certainly um, weren't allowed citizenship and things like that. Could you tell us a little bit about how Wan Toi Hem dealt with some of those challenges? Yeah, Julian, it, it was an age of probably um, uh, prejudice against the Chinese, they were different people. They ate different food, they spoke a different language, they dressed in different clothes and um, very different to the Europeans, um, settlers that that were here at the time. And um, in spite of that, Julian, they overcame the many difficulties that that they faced Mm. Uh, and and they built the communities, were very much a part of building the communities that they lived in. There were many Chinese camps because they were not really accepted in mains, in the mainstream community, but from those camps they um, uh, they built their, their communities, their churches. Some of them were actually converted to um, to Christianity, um, as my great grandfather was. He was a, he became an Anglican, and at St Barnabas um, Ironbark Camp in Bendigo, a great uncle was one of the largest traders in uh, uh, in the Ironbark Camp in Bendigo. So it, it, it's been a great privilege to have had that ancestry, but. But to be able to go on through Bendigo Chinese Association to be a member, also to be privileged to do tours in the Golden Dragon Museum um, and talk about our ancestral past, uh, great privilege. And um, last night I had the privilege of uh, being in the role of the general in the procession, which is a very auspicious role and a great honour, Fantastic. Julia. Well, good on you, Adrian. That sounds like a great event. Uh, Doug, I wonder if you could tell us briefly about uh, your ancestry. Uh, I, I believe it was a little later than the gold rush. Yes, that's a cr- uh, correct, yes. So, uh, obviously, with the, uh, the, the, well, the the running out of the gold sort of alluvially and stuff like that, the, there was a second wave of immigration later in the 1800s and my uh, grandfather, um, Louis Goon came out in mid-1880s, we don't know exactly when, we're still on the, on the research trail for that, um, came out apparently as a cook but ended up soon in the same market gardening businesses as uh, as Adrian's grandfather and he married uh, a woman of Irish and Scottish descent in 1892 and between the original uh, Louis Goon and his wife, they had 10 children, which my <laughs> father was, yep, so yeah, they're all, all large fans, so, so uh, 10 children, of which my father was the youngest. He was, born in, he was born in 1919, so we're, it sort of seems, it's, it's, it's 
we we're part of long generations. So I'm only I'm not that far removed from my uh, yes, you know, indeed, grandfather in generations, but a long time in years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. it really so, is a, a rich heritage, and it's been great hearing about it from both you, Doug, and also you, Adrian. Um, thank you very much to both of you for joining us on Sunday Extra, and uh, happy Lunar New Year. Yeah, gong hei fat choi. Thanks to both of you. Thank you, Julian. That's Doug Lagoon, uh, chairperson of the Golden Dragon Museum in Bendigo, and I highly recommend their website. I was uh, looking through it yesterday and enjoying the rich uh, detail of the history of Chinese in Bendigo there. Doug's also the president, by the way, of the Bendigo Chinese Association. And we were speaking also there with Adrian Hem. There's also a very good article in The Conversation, The Surprisingly Australian History of Chinese Dragon Parades, which is well worth a look too. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.